Hey, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, it is, I'm glad that you're here. If it's your first time here, my name is Chase. I get to serve as the lead pastor. Thanks, Pops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's Palm Sunday. Um, and so look, these pictures of, of palms here, um, this is, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a nerdy sermon. So wait, every once in a while, I need to have a nerdy sermon. Um, but it's a nerdy sermon on purpose. Like there is some great things about Palm Sunday that we don't often think about. And we often, some of us legitimately just don't know, right? Even as it relates to the triumphal entry, which we'll read about. Um, but some of you don't know that there are traditions within the church, right? The whole, the broader church. Like if you've ever been to a church where on Palm Sunday, they have palm branches there. Well, there are traditions within the church of using those branches that they wave around on Palm Sunday the following year, burning them and turning the ashes into what's used for Ash Wednesday, right? Some of us don't know that. Like, there's this rich history of how palms even get used in our celebration. Um, and today, we'll be talking about some of that, but predominantly the fact that a king is coming, <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's what happens that is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. That's what this is. That's the title of the sermon as well. A king is coming. We'll be in Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in. So, Father God, we thank you for your goodness, your love. You are all the things that the video described and more. Uh, we are like the speaker. We wish we could describe you, but you are indescribable. There are no English, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese, Italian words to describe you, God. And even in our attempts, they pale in comparison to your splendor. But we still attempt. We still attempt. You are magnificent, God. You are awesome, God. You are wonderful. We lift you up and magnify your name. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are strong. God, you are loving. You are patient. You are patient with us. You are merciful. And Lord, if it's not too incredibly crass, Lord, you are stubborn with us sometimes. And we need it. God, you are stubborn with us. You are diligent. When we want to go left and you continue to call us right, you don't give up on us. And we are grateful. And we need you. And so, Lord, as we dive into this time in your word, 
May our hearts be renewed. May our spirits be united and our minds transformed so that we reflect you more and more in the earth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A king is coming. Matthew chapter 21 verse 1 starts like this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage. And the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Uh, Some of us have little stars or asterisks in your Bible that tells you where the cross reference. That's Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 is where you see that portion of Scripture. It's repeated. Matthew is repeating something that's in Zechariah. But that means we need to talk a little bit about the role of prophecy. So prophecy is an interesting thing in Scripture. And I think oftentimes when we think of prophecy, we always are kind of in that space of thinking mysterious, right? It's magical. It's mystical. And to be honest with you, it is. There is a part of it that's mysterious and mystical. And everything leading up to this point about Jesus was all kind of like, oh. We don't know exactly, but this is what we believe. This is what the prophets have said. And to be honest with you, they were all kind of like, they were all scattered about what they, how they interpreted that prophecy. That should sound familiar because we're all scattered about prophecy too, right? Basically how prophecy works, it's all interpretation and all, you know, it's everyone's hypothesis until the day after it happens, Right? So those of us who are like, ooh, I'm rapture ready. <laughs> yes, y'all, some of y'all haven't heard that since like 2002. Uh, somebody come up to you trying to evangelize, are you rapture ready? Like, <laughs> that is a hypothesis about prophecy. There isn't a way for us to fully understand what that rapture will fully look like just like they could not fully understand how Messiah was coming. It's okay for us to know that. That shouldn't shake our faith. We ain't no different than the Jews at that time. We're waiting for something to become fulfilled that we don't completely understand, but we trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding us in a direction that makes sense, right? That's how that works. Well, prophecy is that. But Matthew uses prophecy in a very unique way. Matthew is always trying to prove the identity of Christ. He's, that's, so, right, you've got four Gospels, and they all have different purposes, but Matthew is the one always trying to point to this is who Jesus is really. This is who Jesus is really, right? So I know that you see him as a prophet, but this is who Jesus is really. I know you see him as a healer, but this is who he is really. Not to discredit all the things that he's doing, but there's something cosmic going on in the background that Matthew's like, yo, I need y'all to pay attention to that. That's why he brings in Zechariah, because it's not that big of a deal 
for a dude to ride on a donkey. That's not that big of a deal, except this was done to fulfill the prophecy that says your king is coming, humble, riding on a donkey, fam. <laughs> right? Matthew doesn't leave any secrets, but there are some surprises in this portion of Scripture. He continues, Matthew 21, verse 6, says this, The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and other cut, others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So I want you to see this picture while we talk about this uh, triumphal entry. I like cartoons. Cartoons are fun, right? <laughs> Palm branches are not just what we recycle and use for Ash Wednesday, right? It's okay for us to know that that's how we use them now. But in that culture, it was a symbol of joy and it was a symbol of triumph. Something was happening that made, right, it's similar to like flowers. Flowers in and of themselves have no unique and special meaning, but on Mother's Day, we give them to people, right? We give them to mothers and say, Happy Mother's Day. Eventually, just like palm branches, they die and flowers do too. It fades away, but it has a symbolic cultural meaning. And that's why we do it. Similar to like shares on social media, right? But there are some times where there's a unique thing going on that I want you to point, that I'm trying to point to. Matthew is trying to point you to something. He's trying to point you to what happened with Jehu and Ahab and Jezebel. Jesus, like Jehu, is being celebrated and anointed king even before he's inaugurated. Let's keep going. Verse 9, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around were shouting, praise God for the, for the son of David. Some of you, your scripture says Hosanna to the son of David, right? We're going to talk about Hosanna in a second. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. This word Hosanna, Hosanna simply means, oh, save, or save us now, right? It, that's if you translate the word Hosanna, that's all it means. But by this time, it had a slang meaning, <laughs> um, and it meant praise. That's why they said praise to the son of David, right? That's, the, that's even why this biblical interpretation just goes ahead and tells you what it is. It's praise for the son of David. Um, so this slang term by this point, it's pointing to the reason to praise God. In Luke 19, there's a moment where there are people who start correcting them. This is also that triumphal entry moment in Luke. And then Jesus is like, yeah, if you, like if they don't praise God, then the rocks are going to start crying out. Something's happening. A king is coming. Why would they say to the son of David, some of you have, you'll track the genealogy of Jesus and you'll try to be figuring out why is like it goes back to Jesus. It does, but that's not really the point. Matthew is, he already took care of the genealogy part. 
Matthew is pointing to the, similarly to that idea with Jehu, something is happening here. David also anointed king before he was appointed king. Also to take out a corrupt kingdom. When we talk about Jesus being the son of David, it's not just because he's his great, great dot, dot, dot grandson. That's important. But scripture wants us to have an emotional response to Jesus the same way that the Jews have an emotional response to David. This is the epitome of king, right? When they start calling Jesus the son of David, it's that he is the one who is the epitome of our ruler. He is the one who embodies the beloved of God. A king is coming. And the people, they don't even know that they're acting like prophets at that moment. Right? They're just, hey, they're celebrating, right? In a couple of days, they're all going to forget in a minute, just like we do with shares. But like, <laughs> in a couple of days, they're going to forget. But in the moment, they are saying something. Whew, they are saying something. And Matthew's like, write that down, fam. <laughs> the people should know that. The last couple of verses, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. As he entered, who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I just want you to look at this picture of this crown while I talk for the rest of this sermon. It's called a king is coming on purpose. The triumphal entry and or Palm Sunday. We, when, the triumphal entry was the day and we remember it on Palm Sunday. But it was not just a momentary celebration. That's not it. There's also this prophetic celebration happening there too. The people are anointing Jesus, so to speak, king. They're calling him king. They're acting like he's king. They're waving palm branches, acknowledging his triumph over the corrupt kingdom. They're laying out their cloaks in acknowledgement of his royalty even before he gets the crown. Just like Jehu, just like David. And if we've read through this Bible in a year, some of us have done that. Well, we've ever read through Revelation. Yes, yes, yes. There's something happening at the beginning in Matthew that points to Revelation. We live in a corrupt kingdom. Amen. It just is what it is. It's okay for us to know that. I'm not saying the United States. It's got corruption, but that's not the point. The whole world, <laughs> the whole world is corrupted by sin. When I say corrupt kingdom, there is a king of this world, and it's not quite Jesus yet. Oh, I know I just made some people uncomfortable. But if you read in Revelation, there is a being who has been given authority here. We often call him Satan. <laughs> but in Revelation, there is a hostile takeover. And Matthew, this triumphal entry, is pointing to this 
takeover that happens in Revelation. It's not any different than Jehu. If you read through 2 Kings and you know how it goes down, it's hostile. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's not a peaceful transfer of power like we want. No. It's hostile. And at the beginning of that, it's Jesus walking in on a donkey and the people acknowledging what is to come. But in Revelation, that's when the lion starts doing what he does and it gets crazy. <laughs> a king is coming. The triumphal entry isn't just some cool moment where the prophet was coming in because they have nothing better to do. Matthew's pointing to something for us. A king is coming. A king is coming and not like we've ever seen before. Similar to David and similar to Jehu. There's a stark contrast in this king than the king that was before. There is a stark contrast from the king in which we are following to the king that's currently ruling in the earth. And that's going to be a completely different kingdom. A king is coming. When we remember Palm we remember the triumphal entry, what we're really doing is celebrating his initial anointing as king. We're celebrating the anointing of our king. When kings were anointed, a prophet would come and pour oil on their head and say, God has called you to be the king. The interesting thing about this time around is he's a prophet and the people actually get to do the anointing at that point, which is a really interesting dynamic. Creation anointed the king king. And even said, to the point where Jesus says, look, if they don't praise God for what's happening, other members of creation will start crying out <laughs> because something's happening. A king is coming. And in Revelation, we see that hostile transfer of power. Tribulation isn't about God punishing the earth. I know that that's what we, we've heard. I know that's what we've heard. And there is punishment, that's a piece of that puzzle, but really it's about a hostile takeover. I said this in our Bible study a few weeks ago because we've been going through Revelation. Lions are regal creatures. That mane is something special. But there's also something that is, that is incredibly, like for many of us, uh, dramatic and sometimes even a little traumatic to think about. When a new lion is taking over leadership of a pride, oftentimes the cubs get killed. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that thought. Yeah. I'm be, I, can, I can be honest about the fact that I don't like the thought because I like little baby lion cubs. I could also be honest about the fact that I don't like all of the things that I see in Revelation. I can be honest about that. I don't have to like it. It's not my plan and I'm not God. <laughs> I submit to it because that's what it is. There are some cubs that actually do get lost in that hostile takeover. That's another reason why he's called the lion of the king of Judah. 
It's not just because lions are, rude, are, are regal. There are things that are being pointed to that we need to understand. And Matthew's like, y'all need to understand that. You should see what's happening here. And we are like the followers of Jehu. When the king gets anointed, we lay down our cloaks, celebrating that king. And also are a part of, just like Jehu and David had an army, we are also a part of Jesus's army, participating in that hostile takeover. Have you ever wondered why Jesus says, this is my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Not the gates of hell won't be able to take any land. We are the ones taking <laughs> land. We're the ones taking property. We're the ones taking back something from the, ki- from the kingdom of Satan. Not Satan taking something from Jesus. It's a hostile takeover. And that may f- make some of us feel a little bit uncomfortable because you didn't know that's what you signed up for. It's okay. It's okay. There's a reason why Matthew points to those two because he's also pointing to the corruption there. And Jesus is a king unlike any other king that's been here before. Jesus is a king that will lead with justice. Jesus is a king that will lead with compassion. Jesus is a king that will not oppress the poor and the weak. Jesus is a king that will not squash those whom the earth is already squashing and their weight is already heavy. He's the one who says, my burden is light. Jesus is a king that will heal, not just take advantage of with medical systems that like completely rob people because of sickness. Just being honest. Jesus is a king that will not take advantage so that he gets to rule. He will give himself so he can rule. Huh? Huh? Think about it. This king is different. And while we may have never thought about it being a hostile takeover before, I'm down for that kind of hostile takeover so I can be a part of that kingdom. Amen. 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 I'm down. And the way in which that we participate in that is, it's not like we go storm castle gates, right? And I'm not telling y'all, because some of y'all was like, yes, he, I've been saving my pitchfork for a sermon just like this. Right? My torch is ready. Like, I ain't saying that. Some of you already got your climbing gear ready. No. no okay. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. We exist as lights in a kingdom of darkness. And a part of how we get rid of darkness is just simply being light. (laughs) Right? Be light. Darkness doesn't enjoy the presence of light. In that way, it is a hostile takeover even in that space. So be light in our homes. And watch darkness flee. Be light in our jobs and watch darkness flee. I'm not even saying go through and ask everybody if they're rapture ready. I'm saying be lights. And watch darkness flee. 
when darkness tries to infringe upon the light which Holy Spirit has put inside of you, turn it up. <laughs> that is what this army does. That is what this kingdom looks like. A king is coming. And we today remember his anointing as king. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Yeah. You are king of kings, God. You are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. Jesus, we celebrate your kingship. Yes, I know we wait for a time when which you will also be inaugurated and reign over the earth and the time in which we as your people will reign with you. But in the moment, we celebrate your kingship and join with the crowd of unsuspecting prophets and call you our king. King like no other. We thank you that you are not a king that is arrogant, but you are humble. And so we don't have to be arrogant. We can be humble. We thank you that you are a king that uplifts those who the world crushes. And so we can join in that too. We thank you that you are not a king of oppression, but you are a king of uplifting and encouragement, and so we can be too. God, we thank you that you are a just king, because we can be just people too. We thank you that you are a king of truth, because we can be citizens of truth. Thank you. And we surrender to your leadership, King. We lay our cloaks before you. That which we use to cover ourselves, we lay before you. Receive ourselves. Receive our souls, our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our strength. We humbly submit ourselves in worship to you and in allegiance to your kingship. We look forward to the day. We look forward to the day when you come in all of your splendor and all of your might and take your throne on this earth. And until that time, we joyfully Cast out darkness around us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.